He sits down with former Badgers to break down the season. Whether it's on defense or offense, we got to put it to the team immediately. Talk about that. That's the hardest thing to pick up. I would like to see our corners play a little more aggressive. Now, I think that's when our run game started going. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We're live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains again. And we'll be here every Thursday throughout the season, getting ready for Badger football. We've got a game coming up this Saturday as Wisconsin will take on Michigan State, looking to move to 6-0 for a second time in three years. I'm joined by former Badgers Brady Ewing, Bill Nagy, and Mike Taylor. And, you know, I guess we'll go back and talk about the Kent State game first, even though I'm not really sure what we can <laughs> gather from a game that Wisconsin obliterated Kent State. It was not even a close game from, uh, from the get-go. Wisconsin dominates that. Is there anything we can take from that game whatsoever, Bill, at all? Yeah, I think good teams. Other than Jonathan Taylor is really good yeah, and the defense is really good. They did everything they were supposed to do. Yeah. But that's, that's what you need to do with teams like that. You need to um, put them away early. Um, the defense, anytime you can shut somebody out, um, I mean, that says a lot about just from an assignment standpoint. And Kent State was throwing the ball around. There were a lot of one-on-one matchups, but guys were making plays. Um, but the offense executed, took care of the ball in some of the conditions that guys aren't used to playing in. So um, if there's one thing to take from it, it's just, you know, showing up and being able to take care of business. Beating the pants off a team. I mean, that's that's pretty much what they've done. They, sure. And they did that to all their non-conference teams, their non-conference it's, opponents, I should yeah. say. It was 158 to nothing they took. They beat their non-conference opponents this year. It's cool to see some of the younger guys step up, too. Yeah, it's an opportunity. Yeah. And to continue the shutout and for those guys to continue to move the ball. And um, you really start seeing some of the leadership in some of the older guys show, too. Yep. Um, just with them rallying around some of the younger guys. And, I mean, that's that's the game of football. You never know when some of those young guys are maybe going to have to step up later this year. You hope not, but that's, that's just the game. So um, the sooner the better, and it's good to see those guys play well. Do you remember your first – like, how important is that for those young guys? I'm sure everyone here – Got their first chance in one of those games. Well, maybe not everybody. Mike, you started as a redshirt sophomore or a redshirt freshman, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, but for everybody else here, wow, um, big time. I'm just I'm, hey, I'm, that's accurate, right? That's accurate information. That's 100. percent All right. So I'm so. But for you two, was it was it a little bit different? Was I mean, how important was it to get that type of playing uh, time in those situations where maybe you weren't expecting to? I I thought it was big. Um, you know, coming out freshman year, being able to play special teams and somewhat ease into a you know, bigger role throughout the years. I think, you know, you not only adjusting to the speed of the game, but just the, the atmosphere and, and the people you're playing with um, and kind of getting over that nervous, you know, quote unquote hump a little bit. So um, I think it's big for those guys to get time like Graham Mertz come in and, yeah. you know, play a little bit of quarterback. How does that work with, uh, with that? Like, is he going to redshirt or is he... Is so, that not possible? Anymore? Yeah, so it's different now. With uh, they started a new rule last year where you can play up to four games as a as a true freshman and, and retain that, your redshirt, no matter four what. Games? Yeah, no matter what. So he can any play the games. last game as long as it's his fourth game. Yep. Yeah. So his his plan, I believe, is still the redshirt. But again, it kind of feels like he would be the guy if uh, Jack were to go down, or if Jack were to be get get uh, dinged up more than he already was, which he did definitely get dinged up against Michigan. I went back and watched the game, so he's he's dealing with an, a little bit of a knee injury. Um, that, that is, could is, impact, impact him later to, on down the year. Is Graham the backup right now on the depth chart, or he, how would that work? So I asked him after the game, 
did you know it was going to be you going in if there was snaps available? And he said yes. And you would think, you know, he obviously Chase played in the first game. They both played in the second game. But this time it was just Graham and him getting that chance. So we don't know, and you know Paul is not going to tell us. So, Absolutely um, not. Yeah. Who's so the other backup right now? That- Chase Wolf. You got to think at it from their perspective. I don't know how long Chase has been there. He's a redshirt freshman, okay, so his so only redshirt freshman young guy probably hasn't seen a ton of snaps either. But from the coach's perspective, if you look out, you know Graham Mertz is supposed to be the guy. Whether it's next year or whenever that time is, they want to give him as many reps as possible as soon as possible in that game speed to make sure that he can be thrown in there and be serviceable. Um, what he's shown, I mean, he's throwing the ball around. I think he's completing probably seventy or eighty. Nine of ten. Is he nine of ten? <laughs> Completing passes and, um, you know, watching him at the game against Kent State, they're showing close-ups of him in the huddle. It looks like he was commanding the huddle a little bit, and um, you know, but that's just from an outsider's perspective. It all depends, I mean, on the team's record, right? If something happens, say the badges are 7-0, 8-0, 9-0, whatever, and, you know, Cohen is down, Chase Wolf is in, and he's just not performing well. They're winning these games barely, and... I mean, you're going to try to give it a shot. You're going to try to win these games no matter who the quarterback is. Like, yeah, you don't want to burn the red shirt, but if it gives your team the best chance to win, to win conference or go on to, to play in Big Big Ten Conference, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. I mean, you have plans going into the season like, hey, we hope we don't have to use this guy. But guess what? We might have to, and I think that's part of the reason why they are playing him and playing him second to, to be that just in case. Like, oh, let's see how he performs in these games that he does. Oh, he's doing pretty well. You know what, now we have to think about this. If if our quarterback does go down, who is the backup? How is our season looking if it were to happen? Well, I think they kind of showed their hand last year. We saw this really easily at the end of last year where Jack Cohn had played in four games. They only had the bowl game to go. Alex Hornibrook was not playing in that game. It's really, from the outside perspective, it's a meaningless game, right? Like, who cares about the pinstripe bowl? Jack started that game, burned his redshirt. That's five games. So, I mean, they've showed that even if it's just a game like the pinstripe bowl, they're willing to play the guy if it's even if it's going to burn his redshirt. I don't agree with that. Uh, but that's, but, but what, that I'm what saying that's really, what they've shown. Oh, absolutely. And you can do a lot of hypotheticals and nobody can predict the future, but the reality is is you know, Jack is one play away from potentially getting knocked out of the season. That's yeah. just the game, and yeah. that's just throwing it out there. Um, so if you're sitting there in week seven, week eight, and you don't really know who the backup is, but with the way that we've been playing, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a Big Ten championship on the line, there's college football playoff on the line, um, and you played Graham against Kent State, and you're sitting there in a position like you were with Jack last year, with the quarterback of the future potentially, and he's going to burn a red shirt over maybe playing, maybe not playing. Yeah. I don't know. I just... In my opinion, it's important to give the kid confidence. Right. Um, but in a game like Kent State, with where in, I have a different opinion on it, but I don't really think he got much out of it. Yeah. And I don't think anybody else got much out of it, too. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny because the year before, Jack only played in mop-up duty, and that was before the redshirt rule. But he, anyways, he played in five games, and so he was a sophomore last year, and some people thought they would hold him out of mop-up duty, and they did. They did not play him in some of the mop-up games early on. They played uh, Danny Vandenboom, and he came in, and they didn't actually play Jack until he needed the, they actually desperately needed him to play because he was the second-best quarterback, and Alex wasn't healthy. So it, it works both ways, but the, the pinch red bowl to me is just is meaningless, and, and yet you burn the red shirt over that. I don't know. He, yeah, that's crazy to me. And the last game of a year seems 
you know, somewhat selfish from a program perspective to me. But and you know he's not going to turn that down too. And I think would you? Oh, for sure. Would anybody here say no? I'm not going to play in that game because I want to keep my redshirt. Would you? Look, looking back at it, you know maybe, but in the moment probably not. You're a part of a team, especially as the quarterback. Like you're sitting I mean, there being realistic. I don't know, Bill, Mike. I mean, I would want to play, but then again, like. I could have another 12 games next, you know, sure. whatever down the line. So, yeah, it's, it, it's they're all professionals, right? They're getting paid now. <laughs> you got to take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my take on it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's tough because there's a lot of hypotheticals that play into it. Right. And the reality is, is I mean, you're a part of a team, and these guys aren't thinking. They don't want to let the guy down next. If they're asked to do something. Um, whether that's from a coach, from a teammate, to uh, put the guys in a better position to, to win. And from the outside looking in, yeah, you could say, yeah, the pinstripe bowl didn't mean anything, doesn't matter at all. But that's another opportunity to, to go out and play football. How many of those do you get a year? What, 13? Right. You're guaranteed 12? Right. I mean, they, yeah. No, it's, and that's. It's a fragile thing, too. So I, I get that part of it, but um, yeah. When you talk about things that you're willing to do to be on the field, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the show, like injury-wise, you guys play through so many different things just to be on the field, and you take certain things to just, <laughs> you know, to, to numb yourself to be able to be out there for whatever reason. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. I know Mike's got some great stories to tell. Yeah, uh-huh, yep. Um, and, and we'll do that in a little bit. I did want to talk – go ahead. What were we about to say, Bill? No? All right. Uh, we'll get into – I want to talk a little bit about Michigan State before we move into anything else. And in Michigan State, it was a pretty good rivalry when you guys were in school. I mean, you think about some of the games that you guys played. 2009, there was a win here for that Kyle Jefferson hit. That was a little uh, uh, controversial. The 2010 season, when that was your only regular season loss, and then you go in um, – you had Mark D'Antonio – the coach of Michigan State yelling and really upset that you guys got to go to the Rose Bowl instead of them because there was a three-way tie, I think, at the top between you guys, Ohio State, and Michigan State. And then 2011, the Hail Mary game. Mike's still getting paid for that. Um, <laughs> look, I'll, I'll, I'll explain that in a second. And then, obviously, you get back to them in 2011 at the end of the year and beat them in the Big Ten Championship game in what was a, was a heck of a game. Uh, for you guys, was it a, that to me, that was the rivalry you guys were in school between, between those two school between you and – Michigan State. Is that accurate, you think, Bill? Uh, Mike? Yeah, I always enjoyed playing Michigan State, whether it was home or away. Um, like you said, we played a lot of close games, it seems, with them. Um, I'm thinking back to 2000, 2009, I think, was a, a close game with Kirk Cousins, and you know he turned out to be a pretty good quarterback, at least in college, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just always something about Michigan State where they play you well, no matter what the records are. Right. They always have a good you know, run defense. They run the ball, and every now and then they have a trick play where, you know, they win the, they can, they win the game. I can think of a few times where they schemed our defense pretty well as an offense, and, you know, they won a game back in 2010, I think it was, on a little belly flip where they faked to the fullback and just flipped it out to the running back around like a fourth and one, and they ran for like 30 yards. And the only reason why I remember that is because it was, probably, it was my responsibility. I let the, let the guy get the first down. We ended up losing. Um, but, yeah, they play us well year after year. I mean, we, we play them more than once, it seems, every year, whether it's in the Big Ten Championship and then just during the regular season. They, they play well. They have good players, Le'Veon Bell, Kirk Cousins, like I said. They have big-time players, and they play big-time games. Yeah, from a road game perspective, too, I felt like it was always a fun place to go and play. Their fans were always uh, chipper and, you know, right tight to the field. Yeah. And uh, when I think of home games or away games and, 
rivalries and atmospheres those are the types of places you go and you like to play with with your team you know you walk into quote unquote enemy territory and um you're doing it with the guys that you've trained with all year and prepared for this game and um you know then there's the scheme side of it too that mike hit on we'll talk about that 2011 game a little bit and i'll explain why mike is still getting money for that game um it's not. It's not a good reason, but uh, it's, it's 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 good for Mike, but it's not good for Wisconsin. It, it's it's not a great look. Either way, uh, we'll we'll talk about that and more coming up on the other side. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hey, welcome back here to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We're live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains with four Badgers, Brady Ewing, Bill Nagy, and Mike Taylor. We're talking a little bit about Michigan State and some of the rivalries that, uh, or the rivalry that you guys had with them when you guys were in school. A lot of good games. Um, most of them actually went, for the most part, went your way. The, the most important one went your way, the Big Ten Championship game in 2011. But earlier that year, the 2011 game there did not go your way, Mike. Um, you guys were on the wrong end of a Hail Mary at the end of that game. I don't know why Brett Dillon was calling timeouts on that drive to begin with. That's neither here nor there. But Jared Aberderis, uh needs to work on his time in a little bit and knocking balls down. But you almost had you almost kept him out of the end zone, didn't you? you almost, who was that? That was number seven, Keith Nickel, I believe, the transfer from Oklahoma. Yeah, you almost, he was a he was a quarterback. Or no, no, was he? He was a quarterback. Recruited quarterback. They had a quarterback controversy in the um, you know fall camp. Yeah, Kirk Cousins won. They moved into receiver because he was athletic. Right. It ended up going well for me. I mean, he caught the the hail mary catch. The, kind of end our, our good season. Yeah, I mean, that was the first loss of the year. The Russell Wilson, you guys lost three games when Russell Wilson was your quarterback. Which is shocking. I think people are still a little shocked by it. Uh, but either way, um, yeah, that the 2000, uh, so either way, he, he caught it. You almost he caught kept the ball, out. right? Here's the thing. I think the year before, we were coached, like, on Hail Marys because they were happening throughout the, the NCA. So our def- we take time at each, like, I think Thursday or Friday practice to go over Hail Mary defense. Like Knock how it down. Do it. And so I think the year before, the technique was to guard your man, stay in front of him, and kind of box him out like basketball-wise because they're gonna, the ball is going to come back down or whatever. Just box him out to let someone catch the ball. But the next year, we switched it to, like, trailing the person for whatever reason. I think they were just basically saying, we don't want P.I. So just kind of, like, guard your man, but don't, like touch him at all so number seven's coming out he's running all of a sudden the ball goes up like okay like just knock it down someone like abadaris this is your job just knock the ball down that's why you're in there for every reason the ball goes over his hands donks the michigan state player in the forehead hits off his helmet bounces back out of the end zone right to my guy who was in front of me where i was just doing what i was told like don't don't box out this year yep he catches the ball like on the two yard line and is just falling forward like, oh, let's take this win. But you grabbed him. I grabbed this dude, and I was like, this is going to change the whole season right here. It's in my hands, literally in my hands right here, right? <laughs> and so this dude's falling forward. Like, he's already, like, on the ground basically falling. I catch this guy. I'm thinking I'm on, like, one leg. I think my biceps are pumping blood right now because it's bringing back memories. <laughs> but I pull this guy out. He's, like, fighting to just, you know, squirmish into the end zone. 
I throw him sideways. You can't really tell where the ball was. The refs marked him down. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. Like, this is going to be close, right? This is going to be super, super close. <laughs> and they do the whole replay thing. And, you know, if you watch it on TV, the camera's shaking because they thought they won or something. And you, can, you can't really see the ball. I mean, of course, you assume the ball is over the goal line. But yeah. can you see it? You can't see it. But he got across and just like, you know, damn. Yeah. That close to helping your team win, they win. I don't know. It's a fun memory, a bad memory. I'm getting paid. I was gonna say, you're the, I was gonna say, there is a positive off of this, as uh, obviously we all know the BW3 commercials that, that you know, the, the stupid commercials they have that they, you know, anything can happen. That yeah. Type so of stuff. a lady hit me up on my uh, my work email one afternoon. I thought it was a scam. She's offering money because there's a new commercial coming out for this chicken company that you mentioned earlier, <laughs> and they're saying we're gonna pay the kids fifteen hundred bucks for being in this commercial. And we need you to sign you off on doing like, like yeah, I'd love to, but like, is this a scam? And I don't know I saw the commercial, and the commercial was of that play, of <laughs> me getting up off the ground, and you know Michigan State winning. But because my number and nameplate was on in the commercial, I guess I get paid. You get so paid for it. It's a bad memory, but it's you know finally you know, what is it, ten, eight, nine years eight later, years. where I guess it's somewhat paint. Pay- that 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 whole game and the thing was you guys made a great comeback too uh you know russell was electric down the down the down the stretch of that game leading you guys back it's just unfortunately left a little bit too much time on the clock brady yeah and then some of the the timeouts (laughs) you know it's almost hearing you explain that play it's almost funny to think that that turned out and them actually winning the game but yet it brings back all of those memories literally i was standing right at half field we were getting ready standing next to coach b because at the time i was a captain so we were getting ready and he was talking to me about okay you know if we have the coin toss here's what i want you to do blah 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 blah, before you know they ran that play thinking it was going to get knocked down and like most statistically most hail marys do and um then to just watch that all transpire and i don't even think any words were even said on the sidelines everyone was just speechless um so those are with that game specifically, that's what you. Those are the the memories that stick with you, and then how crappy their locker room was too. <laughs> but does the championship game make up for it at all? Do you think, or does it, or does it still hurt? Because I mean, who knows what happens the following week when you go to Ohio State? Yeah, um, you lose that game on a essentially a hail mary as well. Yeah, from Braxton Miller. But who knows? I mean, it could have been. It could have played out differently. If you, and if you're undefeated at that, you're undefeated after the Big Ten championship game. You're essentially playing in a in the cha- in national championship game potentially. I think for me, so does it, looking back, yes, it stings absolutely. But um, it's also what makes that season season special too. Was the ups and downs, the roller coaster ride, the different things that you know, the tragic loss at Michigan State. Ohio State, I don't know if it was a Hail Mary, but it was a big scramble play that they had through that one it was, back. It was close. It was, you know, after, a lot of close games, and, and then the Big Ten championship was close, and, and you know, typical Michigan State-Wisconsin fashion at that point, too. So looking back, I think it was a part of the journey. Does it sting? Absolutely. But um, it makes those memories and those conversations and everything when you get together that it's much. A, it's a good story to tell. Yeah. Obviously, you know, back then, you wish it ended up differently, but guess what? That's history, and... You're a part of it, and you tell your story, and you have your memories on it, good or bad. They're, they're memories. So, what sticks with you more, the that throw or the Russell Wilson to Jeff Duckworth throw? I 
think in the end, winning the Big Ten championship game kind of, you know. Gets you past it? Puts the cherry on top. Like, yeah, we lost. I guess what? We came back, redeemed ourselves. We went to the Rose Bowl. I mean, that's really what our, our goal was to start the season, was to make it to the Rose Bowl. And we still accomplished it. Yeah, we lost. But we won the Big Ten championship, went on to L.A., where we lost. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, like, like that's that's why you play it. I mean, you try yeah. to redeem yourselves and, and, you know, accomplish your goals to start the season. Bill, go ahead. I was going to ask, was that Big Ten or um, the Big Ten or the Ohio State game? Was that the one with all the punt blocks? Was uh, that the following year? That was the, wasn't that Michigan State with the punt blocks? No, I thought that was Ohio. Didn't you was have to get a punt block? I believe at blocked at our Mich- punt, one of our punts for a touchdown. And I know Michigan State, State, State did, too. Well. Yeah, Michigan State definitely did. They returned did. a kick as well. It's just wild when you look they back. Did. And the reason why I bring that up, it's wild when you look back on that season and just that span of success to just the big plays that, in my opinion, are controllable, like yeah. punt blocks, Hail Marys, just absolute like once-in-a-lifetime plays, and you, you spin that all into one year with a guy like Russell at quarterback. It's it's absolutely wild to think about. And then even you look at the, the Rose Bowl that year. And I wasn't playing. I was graduated, so I was watching yeah. as a fan. Um, but absolutely Those crazy are, season with the ups and downs. Even on the flip side of that, like that Michigan State Big Ten game, the Russell Wilson scramble to, ju- to Duckworth on a fourth and long. Right. The Ohio State game that we lost, I mean, we were down like 14 points and like four minutes left. And we yeah. came back to, to tie it up. Like these, you know, the plays against us and the plays for us are just crazy where these, like Bill said, just one or two plays, controllable, big, you think they would be hard to accomplish, but somehow you pull it off. Right. I mean, and there are just so many of them. Oh, those two I'm, years. I'm like going back and yeah. forth. I'm like, that was that same game? Like that, all that happened? That's those those two years. Those you two guys years. experienced as, like, as players, I was gone, but. That's absolutely absurd. But you think about all the big plays, like in 2010 as well. I mean, the the Gilreath kick return against Ohio State. You had the the uh, Monte Ball run touchdown run against Iowa to win the game. I mean, there were so many big plays throughout both Brad of those Norman, two seasons. Uh, Brad Norman, come fourth. on now. Yeah, yeah. I, excuse me, I apologize <laughs> to get that jump started uh, <laughs> on fourth and long. I mean, all those plays. You're gonna some are gonna go for you, and some are going to are gonna go against you. And for most those two years, they went for you. Yeah, and I think that's when you when we talk about you know playing a team like Northwestern and struggling with them. I think the fact that some of those games can go either way, whether it's Michigan State, Ohio State, maybe that's a little bit different caliber team. But um, I think it gives you appreciation for in the Big Ten, anything with most most teams can happen on any given weekend. Yeah. And so I think those teams and those experiences we've had give us different perspective on you know the outlook after playing a team. Except Mike, because if you don't blow out teams, he's He's uh, not happy with it. <laughs> well, if you don't take care of business or don't do what you're supposed to do, it's probably a sign of concern in my eyes. Yeah. Uh, well, Just picking on you, Mike. Yes. I didn't watch the Kent State game, by the way. So <laughs> That's why I didn't ask about it. Uh, we'll we'll uh, get into a little bit of uh, these guys' injuries. We haven't seen a ton of injuries from the team this year, but I'm sure some guys are playing through things. We'll hear about some of the things these guys played through on the other side. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We're 
Welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable, live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. Got former Badgers Bill Nagy, Mike Taylor, and Brady Ewing with us. All right, uh, as I said before the break, wanted to talk a little bit about injuries. Uh, obviously, everyone, deal, every team deals with injuries. Guys are out for the year. We've already seen a couple of guys uh, be lost for the year, including uh, Luke Benshaw, the tight end. But other guys that are on the injury list or uh, not on the injury list are certainly dealing with stuff. And I think all football players are dealing with stuff to to play and, and uh, playing through things. Mike, I think you probably have the most extensive uh, injury history between Brady's these three. Close. You're up there too, Brady? Well, I, I, excuse me, pro, obviously you dealt with a lot of in- injuries in the pros as well. Um, but I'll start with you, Mike, though, first, because you told us a story about having surgery during the week and playing anyways. Yeah, right. I mean, stupid college football player kid. But name all the injuries you've had. Um, in college, neck surgery, three knee surgeries, uh, three. Did I say three hip surgeries already? You did not. Um, two hernias, <laughs> two hernia surgeries, and then one uh, one bullet removal. What? Oh, just, uh, <laughs> my brother shot me when I was younger. Well, that's a difference. What? Your brother yeah, shot a wild you. Story. you I shot him first. I give it a spark note. <laughs> It's a BB gun, right? Hopefully, I shot him with a BB gun. Uh, hit off his like thick hunting jacket. Yeah, this dude had a 22. <laughs> he turns over to me and points it at me, and I'm like, "He's got to be kidding, right? I'm 10 years old." Right. I'm like, "He's kidding, right?" <laughs> and then pow, right in my thigh. Like, that really hurt. And I put my hand down on my leg where I got shot, and I pick my hand up, and it's a 10 year old hand, right? So yeah. it's really soft and no calluses, and the pinky's straight. And there's just blood dripping down my palm, like down my fingertips. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to die in this cornfield. Like, tell my mom I love her. Tell my dad thanks for, like, the boat rides and the tubing trips. Like, it was great. It's fun knowing you. And so I survived, thankfully. And my brother goes back into the cottage on the lake house. And, and he tells me, he asks my mom, Mom, where are the Band-Aids? And she's like, what do you need Band-Aids for? Oh, Mike fell down. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in the cornfield, like, taking leaves and, like, patching up my bullet hole, you know, waiting for my brother to return. If he ever did, I don't know. I didn't bleed out. Thankfully. And so he comes back with, like, Band-Aids. And we don't know what we're doing. I'm 10 years old. We put a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Like I said, we were tubing that summer, and I loved the tube. One of the nation's best tuber at, by the age of 10. And so I, black, that, yeah. I blackmail my brother. So every time we went tubing on the lake, I got to go first for two weeks. And then one day, he decides, you know what? I get to go tubing first. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no. I'm telling on you now. And so I told my, my parents, we go to get the x-ray. I kind of told my dad, like, hey, dad, I got shot. Like, I don't think he totally believed me yeah. until the doctor put up the film on the x-ray machine against the, <laughs> the, the backlight. And there's, as, as, you know, as clear as day, there's just a bullet in a leg. And I think my dad was shocked, but he played, he played a great part. He's like, is that what that was? Because, like, you can't let your kids just shoot each other with guns. They're right. going to go to jail. <laughs> He's like, is, the, is that, how did that happen? You know, I'm like. Don't worry, I got you, Dad. <laughs> but as soon as we got home, tell you what, my brother got it. Anyway, a twenty-two. Wow. Back to football. Man, we're so glad you're here, Mike. What was the initial question? <laughs> you, so you you went tubing with a bullet in your leg. Okay, cool. All right. So that so then going and playing with uh, with the knee surgery two days after having knee surgery, okay. not a big deal. So Minnesota, 
I tore my meniscus in the Minnesota game. I could feel it tear. 2011. 2011. I could feel it tear. And we're having a pretty good year. I'm having a pretty good year as a linebacker. So is Chris Borland. And I'm like, oh, man, like, it's over. And so I walk off the field. I, I can't straighten my leg. I get to the sideline. My coach at the time, Dave Huxville, was kind of a hard butt. He's like, can you play? Can you play? And I call his bluff. I'm like, I think I can. <laughs> and he didn't expect it because, like, I'm limping. Yeah. And so he comes up to me maybe a minute later. He's like, no, seriously, can you play? I'm like, I don't know, coach. I'm going to try. So I get back out there, finish the game. Like somehow my meniscus like unflapped. as a bucket tear. So it unflapped. It, I could straighten my leg. Had an MRI the following Sunday. Like, yeah, you got a, a torn meniscus like pretty bad. I'm like, okay, what do we do? Well, we're going to take half of it out. Can I play? No, you can't. <laughs> okay, well, fast forward. It feels pretty good. I think I had the intention of playing the whole week. Thursday, I finally practice. So ginger. I was on ice skates. Like, this is so dumb if I play. This is so dumb if I play. Saturday rolls around. It's like, hey, I, I want to play. I'm competing against my teammate Chris Bowler for the tackles, which this is a stupid thing, right? But it's like, hey, you got a chance to lead the Big Ten in tackles. You might as well give it a shot. No one leaves the big, leads the Big Ten in tackles without having torn meniscus, right? No one. So you got to play through it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I played. I shouldn't have played. <laughs> How many tackles do you have? 11 tackles, one TFL, fumble recovery. No big deal. Actually, I think it was 13 tackles. But anyway, I take my thing off after the game. My two portals are bleeding. The stitches are, like, torn apart. Um, and, yeah, did you, I'm not sure if that's how did you before. How did you play through that? I just I could walk, so I figured I could run. And until I proved to myself that I couldn't run or, you know, move laterally, I think the first half was rough. Back then, it was kind of different with medicine and, you know, pain shots and, and pills and all that stuff. And, you know, if they offered it up, you accepted it. I mean, I was just determined. I'm sure these guys would tell you, too, like, hey, if you can play or if they, you know, medicine-wise, tore all a couple shots with pills, whatever, make you feel better, like, why not? I mean, the whole country is doing it. Other, everyone else is doing it. Why not me? So, Was that the one time that you were close to not playing? Uh, obviously, you have the, the ACL tear in the, um, in the neck, but... Is that, is that the closest you came you know, to, or did you have to I play mean, through Up until that point, it was bad. It was like, what am I doing? But the following season, I started developing pretty bad double hernias in my in my groin region. And I'll tell you what, that was the most painful experience playing-wise, surgery-wise, recovery-wise. I mean, that put me out of football was a double hernias and just never, ever truly fully recovering from that. I mean, we tried everything, shots, pills, um, corticosteroids, like, weird sticky pads of medicine that would in slowly inject you with like painkillers it's like what am i doing like this is all for football and you know I, I tell this story a lot but like i don't regret any of it i did it for a reason if i could go back yeah it's stupid right but like i would do the same thing over again we're playing in rolls bowls we're playing in big 10 championships you're playing with your teammates it's just one of those things and i'm sure these guys are dealing with with the badgers now like if you can play why wouldn't you play i mean what do you guys think bill that's a hard act to follow right there, buddy. <laughs> no, but I think you said it best. It's There's other, you know, things that come into play. It's your teammates. It's, you know, your coaches, the, you know, what you work for, your your family, the, the road that you've been on to get there. So if you have an opportunity to play, you go out there and, and make it happen. Um, those opportunities just, just don't come around to play at, at Camp Randall and, no matter what team it is, if you're blowing them out by 50 points, it's it's always fun to, you know, put on the pads and go out there and play and compete. And 
here's I learned this early on in my career. There's a difference between being hurt and injured. Everybody's hurt. Everybody's got problems, and everybody will be the first one to tell you about all their problems and how bad it hurts. But the difference between that and being injured is when you can't physically do it. Right. Right? And I think a lot of guys don't necessarily understand that. Um, And especially this day and age, I feel like there's some guys that are more – they'll tap out a little bit easier. Um, and not calling anybody soft right now, but I, I just feel like um, you see that a lot more with a guy who's like, oh, I tweak this or I'm a little bit tight or I have, my calf's tight and I'm going to check out of the game. I mean, you just talked to Mike yeah. who's telling you dude had surgery on a Tuesday and he's playing on a Saturday. Right. Like, tell me your calf's tight. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, Brady, obviously you dealt with injuries and, and actually, Bill, you did as well in the NFL. I mean, how... How tough is it to give up the game you love because of that? Um, given how everything transpired with me, it it, it, it was still tough, but it wasn't. Um, you know, throughout my career, I've had eight or nine surgeries as well. Um, probably going along with what Mike said, one of the, some of the most frustrating would be the sports hernia stuff. Yeah. Really struggled with that since high school. I had three or four surgeries um, just on hernia-related stuff. Um, and that's stuff that, like Bill said, you walk that fine line where you can do stuff and, you know, am I injured or am I hurt? But it's so debilitating and frustrating because it doesn't get better. It's just a chronic deal. Um, and so you go through stuff like that. You go through shoulder surgeries, knee surgeries, ACLs, wrist surgeries, whatever it may be. Um, and it got to the point where I couldn't push my body to the level I needed to to compete, whether it be college or NFL. All those guys out there on any given Sunday – are freaks of nature and I found my edge by working hard and playing as hard as I possibly could and knowing the playbook knowing the skill set I had and could offer to the team and when I knew that I couldn't do that anymore to the point where I could be healthy and be out there and be accountable to um, and consistent for my team um, I kind of knew it was time to turn the page and so it, it was tough but at the same time I had, I had clarity with it we, we hear a lot about uh, head injuries obviously nowadays and, and everything like that did how many concussions do you guys think you ended up having that whether either were not di- not maybe not diagnosed but you know not ever you didn't do anything for them like how many how many do you think you had i don't like, think i was actually ever diagnosed with a concussion in college but um but i mean you're hitting your head on every single play as a linebacker as a lineman as a fullback some some plays you feel it more than others i mean i can think back to a couple plays where you get hit hard and you kind of black out, right? And yeah. you kind of—I mean, there's one one play against Nebraska, 2011. Taylor Martinez took off running as like the second player, first play before half, and we hit heads, and it was like, like wow. And I've dealt with like migraines my whole life, especially in football. And the first thing I noticed was like a deja vu, like oh, I've dreamt this before somewhere. I've seen this play coming before. It's just a weird thing, and I started developing like a migraine and. Is it a concussion? Is this just my migraine? Is it my eyes start going blurry? It's like, oh, God. Not I think during, it was a concussion. Not during this <laughs> I'm not a game. doctor, but it might have been a concussion. So I go, we go in at half. Here's another story. If there's any listeners out there that want to listen. <laughs> um, so we go in a half, and I know I have migraine medicine. Like, almost like a, what do you call it? Like, not like an epi, epi, No, oh, okay. not like an EpiPen, but like a migraine pen or a shot that you put into your thigh. 
and I would tell the doctors, like, hey, I can't see. I, this is a sad part. I tell them, like, I don't have a concussion. I have a migraine. Like, there's a, like, there's a difference, there's a difference or something. Right? <laughs> and so, like, hey, I have my shot here somewhere in this, in this training. And let's, you have it somewhere. We can't find it. Whatever. So we're going through, like, other medicine cabinets, like, just looking for migraine medicine. We stumble upon, like, some expired, like, 10-year-old migraine EpiPen. And I'm like, oh, well, can I just take this, right? And they're like, probably shouldn't. <laughs> like, well, can I? Like, I guess you can. So I, I, I stab myself with this EpiPen <laughs> just so I can go back in this game. This is, right, so stupid, right? Yeah. Like, this is the mind thought of some players, though. Like, when can I play? Like, well, yeah, just take a shot. Like, sometimes you're just brainwashed. Like, everything's healed, but with pills and shots, right? So I, sh- I shoot myself up with... <laughs> With migraine, expired migraine medicine. <laughs> and I'm sitting there on the, on the our bench, like before the second half starts, just kind of like zoned out, like, get kind of loopy, like I can feel yeah. the medicine kicking in. I'm starting, starting to slowly come back. My eyes are getting back. I don't know if you guys ever felt, dealt with migraines before, but you literally can't see. Like right. your eyes go blur. Yeah. And so it's very nauseating. But slowly starts to come back, and it's like, okay, can I go back in this game? Yeah, I guess I can. So, I mean, a lot of people don't know what some players are dealing with. Like, there's a lot of players out there that, you know, go through different things, injuries, mental things, things at home. But, like, injuries is a tough one to deal with, especially when no one knows what you're experiencing, whether it's a trainer or your teammates or coaches. And a lot, and a lot of times they expect certain things out of you. They don't know how far you're, you're out of it. And in this case, like, you know, I, like, I'm letting everyone down if I don't play. Yeah. So you go back out there and you finish the game. And luckily, I think the medicine worked. It didn't. <laughs> it didn't hurt me at all. But, I mean, there's tons of stories out there with maybe not so much these days with kids, but back when we played, like, some sad some sad stories. Do you consider that a sad story? I think so. I mean, okay. I would I would think so. I, I put an EpiPen in my leg, an expired EpiPen, to go play football. I guess just... Head injuries for you two? Uh, I had had two diagnosed concussions and then... Um, I guess multiple other times you could say where you get kind of get your bell rung. Yeah. But I will say that I I believe there's somewhat of a difference if you know from the times I actually had a diagnosed concussion, you know there was a week long time frame where you know or a couple day time frame where you have headaches, you know light and everything hurts your eyes, hurts your head, um, you know all you feel like you want to sleep. So you know I've had a few like that, and then you have a couple other ones where you just kind of you know get your bell rung. Yeah. Per se. Bill, anything for you at all? Yeah, there were a few diagnosed concussions. Um, I think maybe two or three. But, um, again, you know, just to talk about what Mike said, there's just so much repetition as an O-lineman. So right. there are the headaches and there's the fall camp headaches and all yep. the others. Everybody knows what that is, um, who's, who's played. But, um, yeah, that's something you deal with. Yeah. All right, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the coach in Saturday's game, Mark D'Antonio and his resting Guess can't say that word on on <laughs> on the air. Uh, his face and the, the, the why he always looks upset. We'll talk about we'll talk about that and, and more. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We are we are live at uh, Coaches Club in Cross Plains. Got former Badgers Bill Nagy, Mike Taylor, and Brady Ewing with me here. Uh, guys, we were before the break, was talking about uh, Mark D'Antonio. And um, obviously, you guys have all been recruited by a bunch of different guys. If you couldn't play for, and I'm just just wondering, if you couldn't play for Brett Bielema or for Paul or for Paul Christ or for Barry Alvarez, who would you want to play for? Would it be? It wouldn't be Mark D'Antonio, would it? I mean, he just he just looks like he's just constantly upset and pissed off. I took up the whole last segment, guys. So feel free. <laughs> uh, Bill, uh, what different coaches were you recruited by? Um, I was recruited by most of the Big Ten. Um, some of the schools out east, I'm Cleveland, Ohio area. Yeah. Um, Boston College was a big one. Um, Any of those guys you would have wanted to play for that stand out? You know what? I I would like to play for uh, Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, okay. Because yeah. he kind of seems like he has, well, he maybe he's lightened up a little bit of late, but he kind of looks like he has that resting <clears throat> face as well. Yeah, but you can tell that the players love him. Yeah. And that's the same thing with D'Antonio, too. Like, um, and that's, you know, the the respect that those guys have. Um, sure. And coming from the Belichick tree, um, I think they all have very similar um, tendencies, tendencies and traits and yeah. all the other stuff. Um, but their success and just the way that their players um, and they're just how long they've done it for. Yeah. Right. But uh, I would say probably Ferentz. Is there any uh, is there anybody that, that stands out to you, Brady, for uh, he possibly would have wanted to play for? Um, given my recruiting, I mean, I would have just wanted to play for anybody at the D1 level for a while. But um, no, like a Pat Fitzgerald or Kirk Ferentz, you know, some of those programs that have a lot of history and, you know, I would say do it similarly to the Wisconsin way to a certain extent. Sure. Um, you know, whether it be just the um, you know, investment and development and, you know, going about it more of the, what I would see as, see as the right way. Yeah. But are you, Mike? Do you, did you, uh, I mean, obviously you were recruited by a bunch of different schools as well. What, any, any of that stand out to you? I know that you uh, almost went to Minnesota, or no, I shouldn't say went to Minnesota. Potentially almost had an offer from Minnesota. I would never go to Minnesota, if we're being clear. Yes. Uh, <laughs> please be clear, because that was my bad. You committed pretty early, though, didn't you? I mean, but tell the story about, about your potentially getting an offer to Minnesota. So, I mean, junior, I think it was junior year, and... I feel like as a high school football player, you're just trying to go to every camp you can, try to get as max offers as you can. That's just what you do because you're not – nothing's, you know, given that you're going to get a scholarship anywhere. So you go all over. You go to the Minnesota camp, Wisconsin camp. I went to Minnesota camp. I think I impressed pretty well. Uh, is it Tim Brewster was the Tim coach? Tim Brewster was the coach back then. And I think he was pretty impressed. And, you know, I'm driving his golf cart. And it's like, okay, you're giving me the whole nine yards treatment here. Like, what's the plan here? Like, I want a scholarship just because I want to make – myself more valuable to other schools right right and so what he says is i'm not going to give you like we want you but i'm not going to give you a scholarship unless you accept the scholarship right now so um it was kind of a weird cart ride because i think he wanted me to answer this right now and i was like oh yeah that would be great wouldn't it like it'd be so awesome to get a scholarship here just kind of you know downplaying the situation right so i never said anything he didn't give me a scholarship um but um, <laughs> that's just, just so weak on his part. Like, he doesn't want to look bad. It's like the thing. Like, oh, Minnesota offered this kid, but he turned it down. Minnesota offered this kid, but he turned it down. Right. When, you know, Minnesota's losing their kids to Wisconsin, and Wisconsin's keeping their kids. So, like, he's trying to steal us, and we're taking his. So, I mean, if I could play for a coach, it's guys like, you know, Pat Fitzgerald. It's guys like Kirk Ferentz, like we said. 
Um, I'm trying to think of other. Paul Chris, obviously. Yeah. I enjoy playing for Brett Bielema. Um, just guys that you feel have some realness to them. Obviously, a guy like Tim Brewster was a little fake. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Just guys that are down to earth, know what it's like, you know, are real with you. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll see how uh, we'll see how Mark D'Antonio does this weekend. Wisconsin has not beaten Michigan State at home since 2009, though they've only played twice since then. I think so we need a score exactly. prediction quick. What do you got, Brady? Wisconsin by 10. Mike? Wisconsin by close game 7. All right. So we'll see how it plays out on Saturday. Until next Thursday, you've been listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.